Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally. Voidware prohibited. Must be 18 or older to enter. No purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Hello there, and welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. My name is Joy Rios, and on this show, we get to talk about the 30,000-piece healthcare and technology puzzle, where each one of our guests shares their piece of that puzzle and their area expertise. So I'd like to welcome two guests today, both from the same organization, and I will start with you, Lisa. Lisa, would you please take a moment to introduce yourself? Yeah, and thanks for having me. It's great to be back on the podcast, although I think it's the first time with you, uh, yes. Lisa. Barry. I'm the CEO of Civitas Networks for Health. And Civitas is a national nonprofit mission and member-driven organization focusing on organizations that share or use health data for health improvement purposes. And we've got a national membership and a whole lot of events that we'll probably talk about today. My background crosses health IT and value-based care and improvement activities. And so I'm just super happy to be here. And I've got my wonderful colleague, Jolie Ritzo with me as well. Jolie, let's hear from you. Okay, great. So hi, everyone. Jolie Ritzo, Vice President of Strategy and Network Engagement with Civitas Networks for Health. And for Civitas, under the Strategy and Network Engagement umbrella, I lead our communications and marketing, government relations and advocacy, our overall event strategy and strategic planning. And I was with the Network for Regional Healthcare Improvement, which was one of the two leading national networks that came together to form Civitas. And I have a background in community health, a master's in public health. I've worked in healthcare and then entered the nonprofit world about eight years ago. And I have expertise in social determinants of health, community and coalition building, I'm just really passionate about the work that we're doing. So excited to be talking with you today. Yeah, so am I. So I want to kind of pull the thread of community and coalition building. It sounds like that is a lot of what you all do. So can you tell us about what progress you have made in that area and also what you're working towards? Yeah, I can start, but Jolie will definitely have lots of great perspectives on this from her vantage point leading our network engagement as an organization. So just a little bit more from my background, I grew up in a family of activists, advocates, people involved in the local government process in different ways. And so that's very much part of my DNA and my experience by at my core, I'm truly 
truly an advocate type of personality. And that's what I like to do. With Civitas, we created, we walked into this situation where we had this opportunity to bring together the two leading national networks that Jolie mentioned, the Network for Regional Healthcare Improvement and the Strategic Health Information Exchange Collaborative. And we are trying to do something that is no less than actually creating cultural change. And that is helping local health innovators who are working on health data exchange and health data infrastructure really see themselves more and more as those local change makers who are part of their local communities joining their compatriots who are already doing that work on the health improvement side, the organizations we call the regional health improvement collaboratives. Over time, we see those communities coming together, connecting, being the same organization, partnering, finding ways to serve the local communities. And it's very much about creating sort of a collective vision and saying, hey, we are serving these communities in this way. We are what we call the emerging health data utilities of these regions, communities, regions, and states. And so that very much involves what you just said, Joy, which is community engagement, bringing people together, getting them on the same page, helping them see themselves in that perspective over time. And it's not perfect. It's not like everyone's there right now. It's a process. It's a spectrum, all of those things. But we are over time moving that window in policy change terms. It's called moving the Overton window of like, hey, we are this these community serving organizations. So that's how I look at it. But that's work I've been doing with Jolie and our other colleagues at Civitas for the last couple of years. Yeah. So we like to say, regional innovation, national impact. And that, you know, is something that you have to do with a lot of intentionality. And, you know, the 165 members that we have also really embrace that. And I think that to some of what Lisa was saying, you know, when you think about community governance or coalition building, building will, you really do have to create space to bring together divergent perspectives to uncover new perspectives. But you also need to make sure, you know, that you have transparent processes and transparent information and creating sort of multiple channels for information to flow. And so when I think about the work that we're doing to build a thriving network, you know, we need multiple checkpoints to have opportunities to engage and for information to be shared. And I think that's something that our members are also expert at is, you know, we talk a lot about neutral convening and sharing information, but it's also being able to tease out common threads because that often, you know, we got to come back to why are we doing this work? What is that value proposition? And where, again, where do those sort of commonalities come together so that we are able to kind of move um, and create forward progress? I have a couple questions. And one is community membership. Is it have to can it be on an individual level or is it an organization or business that would present themselves as a member of the community? Yeah, so currently Civitas represents organizational memberships. And at the same time, I would note that we don't want to just be a sort of CEO club. We, we're really looking for opportunities to bring you know, 
our members to sort of have you know multiple people from their teams engage in the network. And that's why, again, we have various work groups and councils and different types of events that touch on either areas of focus or key topics of interest so that, again, it reaches more than just, say, one person. And then our, our members sort of structure this, themselves in similar ways where they often are representing organizations also. They also tend to be a step or two removed from, say, the actual delivery of care, but I think are definitely looking for meaningful ways to engage with their communities and individuals that they may be serving. So, yeah. Oh, I would just add something to that, too. I would say that, well, since we're a mission-driven organization, the things that we do don't just stay within the group of member organizations. We have public events that have plenty of places for people to engage in. For example, we have roughly a quarterly collaboratives and action events that are open to the public. And then, of course, our conference and other events like that are open to anyone who wants to attend and be part of it. Plus, we also publish all kinds of public resources. So that's how we also fill our mission fulfill our mission and bring together a variety of stakeholders to a variety of community members and people who are involved in the work. So all of the above, some things are organizationally focused, but we obviously as a community serving also organization have things that are available for public engagement. I mean, a topic that is of interest to me is really taking into consideration who is not at the table, right? So you may have a, a group of people who are contributing their perspectives to, you know, give you feedback about which direction that you go, but how do you take a toll or take pulse of who is actually missing and find ways to get them engaged? I have a lot of thoughts about this. One of the really important ones that we hear a lot about and care a lot about as individuals and as an organization is patients and caregivers. At the same time, our members are at the infrastructure level. They are themselves community-serving organizations who have, by definition and by requirement for being part of Civitas in that way, they have boards and governing models that are inclusive of the community that represent the people and organizations that they serve. So our typical member will have on the board, they'll have health plan, provider, they'll have a, maybe a social services or a community-based organization. They probably have patients and caregivers in different forms on their board. They have a variety of employers if they serve the employer community. So a variety of different people and ways to govern the work that they do as infrastructure organizations at the community, regional, or state level. So then we sort of are the piece that brings together those organizations and you're already a few, if not two or three layers removed from the patient and caregiver experience. And the problem with that is that certainly patients and caregivers, especially those who are more involved in the business of healthcare, in the policy of healthcare, they understand what we're doing and wanna be involved in different ways. In many ways, we're able to include patients and caregivers. But what you find is that the people who are actually affected by the work that our members do don't necessarily have the inclination or the interest or even the awareness of that work or the ability to connect back the patient experience to it. And the problem there is that you get a little bit of the same people who are a small handful of patient advocates generally very, very well-intentioned, very well-informed, very policy literate people 
but are those the people who are truly being affected by the work on the ground? So I get a little worried about the way that patient advocacy exists in our space and in our community broadly. How are we actually serving patients? We're about three levels removed. So it's really hard for us to figure out the right level at Civitas. Our members have no problem with it. They are serving patients. They are serving caregivers. They are serving providers and health plans and CBOs. But we're a couple layers removed. We have to make sure we actually hear from patients and caregivers, not just the people who are the most policy literate and very into the, the world of quality improvement organizations and health IT, which is a small group of people. And I feel like we've met a lot of them. And they do really good work, but we we need to hear more voices. That's how I look at it. I don't know, Jolie, if you have other perspectives to add there, because you see this every day as well in your work. Yeah, I mean, not really much more to add. I, I think that was an incredibly thoughtful response. And I think, you know, we try very hard to think, you know, thoughtfully around who we do need to be hearing from, who may not be represented. And I guess I would just say that we're also in, really open to if we do have a blind spot, you know, we, we would encourage people to let us know about that, you know, because it's something we care deeply about. And we know, again, that our members do as well. And they're working very hard to be inclusive and thoughtful about who their work serves and making sure they're represented in advisories and boards and other structures. But it's something that we are deeply committed to and, and want to continue to be sort of pushed on. Lisa, you mentioned something earlier. Um, you just said health data utility. And when I think of a utility, I'm thinking of keeping the lights on. I pay for my internet bill. Like, Is health data actually in the form of utility right now? And can you guys explain what you mean by that? Yeah, of course. So health data utility is an emerging model that Civitas and its members have been developing over the last X number of years, more than five, depending on how you slice it. And we've actually released a framework for health data utility, which is available on our website, which is civitasforhealth.org, civitasforhealth.org. And all those resources are available to the public. There's no gating on them. We did that in partnership with the Maryland Healthcare Commission and our national advisory of members and interested parties thinking about the issue. And it's really the evolution of utility of, of health data as a utility-like resource for specific communities, regions, and states. We really think that health data should be treated like general public infrastructure over time. Now, I don't want people to get scared as I mean, we're going to be PG&E or whatever it is, whatever your energy provider is. They don't have a great reputation because they don't do an amazing job. The thing that matters is truly the idea that health data and health data infrastructure should really be treated the same way that we think about utilities and public infrastructure, that it should reach everyone at the end of every road. If you think about the national health data networks as like the national highway system where it's funded by the federal government and they have to meet certain standards. You know, for example, getting highway funding for a state means they have to say that people can't drink until they're 21. That was one of the criteria that the federal government put on giving funding for the federal highway system running through your state. So that's great. We've got a highway system can get us places. We kind of know what to expect. But what happens when you take that exit? Are you exiting into a field? Are you exiting into well-defined and maintained network of local roads 
how far does that go when it goes outside of the municipal or city boundaries? Are there still roads? I grew up on a dirt road in the middle of nowhere. It was a private road. You could drive when you were 12, for example, or whenever you could see over the steering wheel. And that was not a very well-built-out infrastructure. It was what worked for everyone there, but it wasn't a well-built-out infrastructure. So think of it as how we get to that last mile or that last inch. How are we looking at the health data infrastructure in a particular community? And can we do that across the country in different diverse communities with different needs, different populations, different people, different types of roads, different types of cars? And that's what we think about. So a health data utility in simplest terms, you know, combines, enhances, and shares health data across different domains. It goes beyond basic clinical data exchange. It goes into domains like claims and payer needs. It goes into social services and social data exchange. It meets public health needs specifically. It goes beyond the baseline of what you might think about when you think about health data exchange to meet the needs of specific communities across the country. So long explanation, but I tried to show you how we got there in thinking about the positive parts of a utility, not the negative parts. Well, I definitely can relate because as you may know, I live in Mexico and the infrastructure down here is very different than it would be in the United States and literally some off ramps. I'm just like, whoa, where am I off roading to? <laughs> like, And it doesn't, and you can think of it in terms of it almost feels like, oh, we're we're about 50 years behind where it might be just, you know, 100 miles north of where I am in the United States, like quite literally. Where would you think that if you had to take the pulse of where we are in building the health data utility in infrastructure, how far along are we and how much farther do we have to go? It's a, I'm sure it's a lifelong process from here on out. Yeah, I mean, I can jump in to get that going and, and Lisa can layer in some additional thoughts, but... You know, I think we, so state to state, it does look a little bit different, but what I would note is that the, the health data utilities are built off of cooperative leadership. It does help if there's designated authority and they're using the sort of technical capabilities that were built from, you know, back in 2009 around sort of the launch of high tech and then using that as Lisa talked about, you know, going beyond the clinical exchange of health data and sort of having the expanded use cases, we've then were able to sort of use that infrastructure to further meet the needs of states and regions and the communities that they serve so that then we can do things, you know, with whole person care where we have specific public health use cases or we're partnering with Medicaid. So again, there are some states that are just by the nature of sort of their the way that they're structured and the market forces, they may be further along. But luckily, in most states throughout this country, there are health information exchanges. There are all-payer claims databases. There are quality improvement organizations. And there are regional health improvement collaboratives. And these entities, as they start working together, have you know really strong infrastructure to continue to build on. Yeah, and I would just add to that, one of the easiest ways to talk about what Civitas represents is courtesy of one of our board members, Dr. Tom Evans from the Iowa Healthcare Collaborative, and that is that Civitas is the bridge between data and doing. And similarly, a health data utility creates those conditions between data and doing things, improvement activities, improving health, meeting public health needs. And you can imagine that's pretty hard for one 
specific entity or organization to do on their own. You need partnerships, collaborations, but you also need to think about your unified health data infrastructure serving your community. And however you do that, whether it's one organization or partnerships or collaborations or mergers or whatever it is, you've got to have something that thinks about the needs, the benefit of the entire community. And we will also say it's very hard for this to be a government-only activity. For these things to work, especially in the US, but not only in the US, you really need to have really deep public-private partnerships. Generally in the US, people feel really uncomfortable with the government owning, in air quotes, owning all their data, holding all their data. And that's why you need trusted organizations that have been present in the community for a long time to be the stewards in a multi-stakeholder, community-focused, governed way that has that transparency, that trust building, the, the engagement with the community over many, many years. That's what gets you to having a successful and robust and living infrastructure to meet these needs. So you can see this is still obviously quite you know optimistic looking towards the future but there are plenty of places across the country many many 20 30 more than that where you have those conditions forming where you have capable organizations who are doing health data exchange capable organizations doing health improvement and quality improvement and community engagement social terms of health focus and they're coming together now so we're in this time right now, kind of helping it along and also watching the development of these health data utilities across the country. Well, I'm really excited to go to the Civitas conference coming you know, soon in August. What are you guys most excited about? Um, so, so excited. And Lisa and I have you know, spent a lot of time thinking about this, but it is really a showcase of Civitas in action. And the theme is public-private partnerships that inspire health transformation. Every session is going to display this work in action and showcase, you know, what goes into the partnerships themselves and that, you know, these things don't just happen overnight. It does take time to build the relationships to determine, again, what is most pressing the community need and then how you're going to achieve that in sort of a collaborative way. I am just tremendously excited to have this all unfold. I think that, you know, we have selected incredibly inspiring keynote speakers, but I'm also equally as excited about the unconference sessions that are less about the didactic presentation and kind of more just assume that everybody in the room has a certain level of expertise and something to share and something to learn. And so the meaningful conversations unfold. And I think that that is where people form connections. Um, and I'm really proud about sort of holding space for people to come together and make meaningful connections that they will take with them to continue to further their work. I would agree with that. I think we continue to raise the bar on the type of content. Of course, the spe keynote speakers is an easy measure of success, right? The more sort of prominent and interesting they are, that's great. But as Jolie said, that the sessions that are ne not necessarily the big keynote sessions are really incredible representations of the things that are happening across the country in response to now a couple of years of Civitas being more than an idea and really showing up in the work that our members are doing. We've had all kinds of partnerships ex be created, expand, deepen, take shape since we created Civitas, you know, with our members and our board now a couple of years ago. And what's 
on display at the conference is exactly how that's happening. How do you combine the work of a health information exchange and a quality improvement organization? What sort of goal or what purpose does bringing a health information exchange together with a community care hub have? Where do you get the data for those activities? How do you actually source it? What are the issues? How do you connect that back to community needs? What does it look like in Ohio versus in Nebraska versus in California versus in Vermont, right? These are, it really shows why it matters to have a local approach. And I think you'll see that very much on display at the conference. And then as Jolie said, we really took it to heart that we don't want a conference full of didactic presentations or a trade show heavy event. This is very much about education, networking, learning, sharing, listening versus some of the other conferences that serve different purposes. We serve the purpose of really this sort of place to share and highlight and showcase work. I will note we have a breakout session where we have members in Texas and members in Vermont that are going to be right. talking about how they're addressing housing. I'm actually very excited to tune in. Very excited. <laughs> Cultural <laughs> differences on display. So anyway, that'll be fun. Well, I have to say, I'm very excited for the conversations to be part of them, to amplify them and also see what comes from them. If people, I, I just want, I want to say thank you for the work that you're doing because the community building and the shifting of culture and making sure that we are meeting the needs of rural Vermont and, you know, the cities in Texas and everywhere in between, I think are so, so important. So if people want to get involved with Civitas or reach out with you guys individually, how would you recommend that they do so? Yeah, so our website, as um, Lisa mentioned before, so we're civitasforhealth.org. You can contact us through the website. We encourage people to subscribe to our national newsletter. It's highly tailored and you do not have to be a Civitas member to gain access to that. There's all kinds of information about the conference itself on our conference page on our website. So we would encourage you to check out the agenda. You still can register and attend the event. And there is a virtual component if you can't be there in person with us. And I think, you know, those are probably the ways I would also note we have a growing and engaged presence on Twitter and LinkedIn. So you can follow us there. Both Lisa and I are fairly vocal. Lisa's a little more vocal than me, but we're both there as is um, Civitas. So you can, you can follow along there as well. Just maybe one edit there, which is that, of course, as we know, Twitter is going away in its current form. We will be on all the socials that everyone is on. We do a lot of posting and conversation on LinkedIn, unsurprisingly, as do many organizations of our size. But we're going to be on threads. We're going to be on all the different socials as the landscape changes. We have to be re responsive to that too. Wonderful. Well, thank you and for what you're doing and thank you for your time today. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Very much appreciate it. Thanks for listening. You can learn more about us or this guest by going to our website or visiting us on any of the socials with the handle hit like a girl pod. Thanks again. See you soon. Again, thank you so much for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. I am truly grateful for you, and I'm wondering if you could do me a quick favor. Would you be willing to follow or subscribe to this podcast, or maybe leave us a rating or review? Or if you're feeling extra generous, would you share this episode on your Instagram stories or with a friend? All those things help us podcasters out so much. I'm the show's host, Joy Rios, and I'll see you next time.